like my dreams out of reach. This pain and all this grief. If you see God and you have to speak, tell him it's crazy in these streets. Feel my pain and it's so deep. That make it hard to sleep. If you see God. You're on Pastor Phil. Welcome to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets with my great co-host, Pastor Jay and Ruck Boy on Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 154. Hey, everybody. We are here again. That's right, Sunday morning, 9 Central, 10 Eastern. <laughs> with this show today, Church on the Block, we are talking about gun control. You know, we're doing this series called Banned questions. Questions don't nobody really want to ask, but questions people thought they had an opinion about or a view about. Questions that may be, you know, touchy or questions that may be like, I lost a friend over that, right? Or I left a church because of that. We really want to talk on that and believe that as, as believers of, of Christ, followers of Christ, that we can talk, have civil conversation with different agreement, agreements or disagreements and still be loving the Lord and still be loving each other. I mean, that would be like right more you know like like right if we could do that right so today we're talking about banned questions about gun control should christians have guns is are, is, is the world better if christians have guns right because now they love the lord and they're going to probably pray for you before you know they shoot you in the foot or something maybe maybe there's there, there's there's something there um in dialoguing about that and what is what is the real uh motive of why um someone would have a gun not in a wild wild west era uh, <laughs> even though we're on the west side of Chicago, but in the context of some un- unsafe atmosphere that they're in when, whenever they're walking. Just we're going to dialogue a little bit about that. We've got different views and opinions, but we're going to start off introducing our, our, our co-host. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Say what's up. What's up, people? It's your boy, Pastor Jay. So glad to be back on with you. Yeah, can't wait to talk about this one. Yo, what's good? It's your boy, DJ Ruckus. But today... I'm going to introduce you to someone else, and his name is an instructor ruckus. And so I'm ready to get the company in. <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly who we want to start with today. <laughs> we want to start with instructor ruckus. So explain what that all means, uh, uh, instructor ruckus. Yeah, so I'd say last year um, I decided that I wanted to open up my own business where I would start uh, – training people to get their concealed carry license or training people around safe usage of guns. The whole dream was, was created during the pandemic, during you, you saw an increase in, in violence and an increase in gun sales. And I started thinking about, you know, doing violence prevention and the way we've been doing it. And I said to myself, man, the way we're approaching gun violence is backwards. Right. In our communities, we constantly tell people not to get guns, get rid of the guns. And, you know, and I said to myself, if a boxer was walking down the street and he saw two kids fighting, what would he do? He would probably grab those two kids and say, man, come over to my gym or come to wherever I'm training and let me train you and let me teach you the proper way to to fight and to use that energy. So how come we're not doing the same thing when it comes to guns? We got so many young people out here picking up guns. Man, what if I can grab some young people before the streets get them and I can teach them about gun safety and how to safely use guns? And maybe it, it can lead into scholarships or them joining a gun club and getting getting into college. It's also an Olympic sport. Maybe I can change the narrative that way. So, so wait a minute. How long have you been, um, you know, Owning a gun or, or having the gun uh, illegally, 
How long have you been having a cousin? <laughs> I know you told me don't answer any of those type of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so here's what I would say. I was, I want to say I was about 18 years old when I moved to, to Southern Illinois, Carbondale, Illinois, uh, to, to, to escape Chicago. I was getting into trouble and dropped out of, out of high school. And my wife, who was my girlfriend then, was there in her second year of college. And she said to me, why don't you come here and live with my sister and, and get your GED and, 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 you know, we can go forward from there. So that was the route I took. And so I got down to Carbondale and I walked into a pawn shop one day and I saw all types of guns on the, on the walls. And I was like, what the heck is this? Our pawn shops don't have guns. And I was like, wow, how can I get one of those? And the guy was like, oh, you just you need to have a, a FOIA card, an Illinois FOIA card, which is a firearms identification card, which will allow you to purchase a gun. And I said, OK. He says, how old are you? I said, I'm 18. He says, oh, you need to have your parents' signature. I said, bro, I'm grown. <laughs> he says, but you still need your parents' signature. So I called home and I said, ma, uh, I need you to give me permission to sign your name on this paper so I can uh, get me a, a FOIA card so I can purchase a gun. I said, I can only uh, I could only purchase a rifle at that time because of my age. She said, nope, I'm not signing. I said, either you're going to sign or I'm going to sign your name on there. And she said, that's forgery and I'm going to report you. You know, so we went back and forth and, you know, I wasn't getting anywhere. So what I did was what any normal person would do. I called her mama. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I called her mama. And down in Arkansas, I called my grandmother and I said, Grandma, I need you to talk with your daughter. I'm trying to do things the right way. I want to have a gun. I want to purchase one legally. And she's she's not allowing me to. And my grandmother called her and said, hey, if he wants to do it the right way, let him. My mom called me back, say, OK, go ahead and sign your name. <laughs> and so since I was 18, I've owned and I still have it. My first rifle, which was a 22 rifle. I thought I was going to go hunt with this thing. And I ain't know nothing about guns. But my first gun is a 22 rifle that I bought at a pawn shop for 75 bucks when wow. I was eight. 18 at 22. Yeah. I think my dad, my dad had a 22. My dad's from Arkansas. So we, he brought the 22 and the 38 and tried to shoot, show me how to shoot it. Uh, to kill rabbits. First of all, the rabbit too fast. I, I could. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm. I'm 12. I'm trying to aim. I'm moving the gun. <laughs> I know what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? Um. So look. So so as a follower of Christ, uh, uh Terrence, mm -hmm. what is it? What 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 is the conviction you have about about as an African American man following Christ? Um, about carrying a gun. I mean, do you yeah. do you have you have more guns now? I mean, a gun that gun that you can carry with you like if you ain't carrying a rifle in the back you, you know you ain't carrying that no no i i do carry a gun on me from time to time you know so my convictions I, so probably i want i want to say maybe about four four or five years ago right around the time when illinois made it legal to have a concealed carry my cousin called me up and she says hey i gotta buy one get one for a concealed carry class i want you to come with me and i said okay cool and we went and took the class, but I never turned my paperwork in. I had my paperwork. I never mm -hmm. turned it in because I said to myself, man, I don't I don't ever want to be responsible for happen, for hurting someone, for killing someone. And, and so I was struggling with that, with my, my Christian values and 
and my morals around what happens if if someone tries to do something and I got to pull a gun out on them. And so I struggled with that. And then I also know the context that we live in today's time. If I shoot one person and I hurt them, I might have to fight this whole family. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's the, the reality that we live in. All his friends, they're going to name the gang after him and they're going to come for me and my family. And so I said I, I sat on it for a year. Then one day, my oldest daughter, she was uh, she was we had just came back from Arkansas for from a trip and she was getting ready to head back to school to Michigan State. And that's a shameless plug there. And, uh, <laughs> and so she headed back to school. <laughs> And so I told her, it was about seven o'clock and I said, clean out my car. I gave her a bag, put all my stuff in the car. It's your car now. And so, I, you know, it's seven o'clock. It's kind of dark on my block. But I've always told my kids, pay attention. And so I walk outside the house just to check on her. And I see a car in the street, just a little bit up, it, and it, you know, from my car. And she's standing, you know, in the street, inside the car, cleaning it out. And I see a I see a guy running. He's an Asian guy. He's running off the sidewalk into the street. And I see another guy in a hoodie running right behind him. And I saw a gun. And immediately I look I looked over at my daughter and how close they were to her. And I said, and I just said, hey, Ari, I need you to leave that bag right there. And I need you to come here. I need you to do something in the house. And she's like, oh, I'm almost done. I said, no, leave the bag right there. I need you to do something in the house. So she just walks over. She's oblivious to what's going on. Right. And the dude with the gun looks dead at me. I know exactly who he is. He know who I am. And at, in that moment, I said, man, it is my responsibility to protect my family. It is not the police's responsibility. I am the first responder to protect my family as the head of my house. And if something would have happened that day where a, a freak accident could have happened, I would have been upset with myself. And so I said to myself, it is time that I step into being who I'm supposed to be, the protector of my household, of my family. And so that's kind of where my conviction goes. And then there's another side of that. You know, I started during the pandemic, you know, my wife had, my wife, she's with me on buying guns, right? She's watched The Purge and you know, and she saw that. <laughs> like, that wow. Is that, the precursor, is, that, is that the precursor to uh, uh, buying, like, like, oh, this is about to happen. I'm about to go to the store tonight. Yeah. yeah. She, so she watched the, like, it was like the, it was the, 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 when the purge first started and it started in the urban, in the urban community and they couldn't get the, the, the minorities, black and brown people to kill each other. We was partying like we do, right? <laughs> so they started inducing, by sending soldiers in and white sheets to, to, to kill us off and make us fight each other. And, and so my wife, was that, that's too real. We need to get guns. So you saw during the pandemic and during this, this last presidency, you saw a lot of white people kind of power up and they felt very froggish. They felt bold and they, they, they made statements and they, there were threats and all types of stuff. And so my wife froggy. They was feeling froggy. LinkedIn, LinkedIn. LinkedIn, food jump, right, right. You know, and I'm watching videos of guys saying all the president got to do is say the word. And I'm sitting there like, what in the world? What's going on? And so my wife's looking at me like, I told you. And I said, okay, it is time for us to purchase more guns and so we can protect our house just in case. You know, so a lot of 
I called, I started calling up a lot of my, my white, my white friends and I'm asking them during the pandemic, where are they buying ammo? And they're telling me they've been stocking up for years and they got 10,000 rounds of this, 5,000 rounds of this, 7,000 rounds of this. And I'm saying to myself, what the heck? And the guy goes, I know you think we're crazy. I'm crazy. I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm the crazy one for never preparing. You know, so I kind of always feel like black people or minorities are behind the curve when it comes to preparing to be able to protect our households and our family against anything. And what are we protecting ourselves from? I mean, I, I get the fact of your uh, of your baby girl. I mean, we're in the hood. That kind of stuff happens. I don't know. if I, I mean, I got a Ford card, everybody. Just so you know, I'm not out here trying to bash cats with guns. And I, and I, I grew up around guns. My dad had guns. My dad was a cop. for. He was a free cop in Kansas City. Um, but it's one of those kind of things like I just don't trust my own. Going through a class or not, I would have pulled that gun out. I mean, you're right here by my daughter. You're about to get. My dad said, don't pull the gun out unless you're going to use it. And so I got a gun from these little homeboys on the block. Hey, man, I'm going to fix your radio. You hold my gun just to know I got. So I held his gun. And a, a dude who had a, I got in a fight with, I brought the gun out. I saw him. In the, oh, man, it was over with. I started shooting I know, this whole gun on this guy, right? Not hit him another. But he ran and ran and ran. I, and what happened to me at that moment, and this is probably where my line of demarcation is, it just felt good. It just felt good. Mm. Like, I got the power. This cat will run. This cat will recognize he can't do that. You know, the, the fight was a tie. I wouldn't say I got whipped. But it was a tie. But it was the context <laughs> of... This this ain't going down like this no more. And so that's that that goes in my head. And it goes in my head when my dad said, when you pull that gun out, you better use it. Don't pull it out to scare nobody. Pull it out to shoot somebody. So I pulled it out that one time uh, on some street stuff and shot. So I would have pulled it out on, I know. I would have been like, oh, I'm pulling this gun out. You better pop, pop, pop. I'm shooting in the air. Shooting uh-huh. you hear my, by my So I say that because for me, it's the person. It's the mental state of the person. And though I love the Lord and all that kind of stuff, I would have took, you're threatening my entire family right now with this. I, I mean, and, and I'm not saying people don't have that, and, and it not, there's not ways around that. But, but I know we we uh, we got a lot more to talk about, man. We got a lot more to talk about with this topic, uh, Pastor Jay. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna jump in. I'm I'm on the exact opposite side of this conversation. I'm not a pacifist in the sense that nobody should have guns and no violence right. or any things of that nature. But um, I just believe Christians are called to be on a completely different trajectory. As far as peacemaking is concerned, I don't think that we should be thinking about retaliation and protection in the sense of, of, oh, it's my job to make sure nothing happens to my family. I'd rather be on the side of figuring out ways to increase the amount of peace in the world versus adding more violence to create peace, if that makes sense. So, yeah, you know, it'll, you know, I'll get to my point in a second, but I just wanted y'all to hear from T because that's my boy. Hey, he dropped yeah. Knowledge. <laughs> yeah, 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 and he didn't train up about a hundred people, all strapped with five thousand uh, bullets. Boy, got a whole church strapped. T, right? T, T got his own army. So we're gonna we're gonna come right back right after this church on the block. Real talk about hip hop and church in the streets. Band questions. What's up with all these guns that Christians got? You're listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip hop, the church, and the streets. Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM 154. Come right back. We got more in store. All right, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back. 
Church on the Block, real talk about hip hop, church of the streets. It's your boy, Pastor Jay. So I jumped in a little bit. We're talking about these band questions. What's up with all these guns, especially that, uh, you know, church folks seem to have, right? We see that we outnumber the number of uh, gun owners in the country by a wide margin. And what's crazy about America to me is that there are literally more guns in our country than people. And when we start thinking about that kind of statistic, it just makes me shake my head um, because, you know, you know, people, you know, Phil kind of started off talking about this, in my opinion. And then I definitely want to throw some questions at, at T as we go back and forth a little bit. But he started talking about, like, is this a gun problem or is it like a people problem? Is it like people's hearts that need to be changed or is it like we need to have more reform around gun usage? And you know what? I say it's both. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. There is clearly a gun issue, right? Nobody would say in America, we don't have some issues around gun. Like too many people are dying that should not die. Too many mass shooters, kids getting killed in schools, right? Like we, nobody would disagree there's a gun issue. The question is everybody choosing sides. Again, we're, we're, we're polarizing the answers. And I just, I just refuse to be polarized, right? Um, but the number one thing I say is this, man, it doesn't make sense to me as a Christian to be someone who's leader, like the person I follow is called the Prince of Peace. And yet we walk around packing heat, right? Like it just, yeah. it's just like something doesn't compute for me there. You know, we talk about uh, most of these same conservative Christians scream about being pro-life unless you mess with my family, right? Like it's just, it just right. doesn't resonate with me. And so for me, I just want to be a part, you know, one of my favorite things in the, in the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, Jesus line is blessed. Matthew 5, a blessed are the peacemakers, for right. they shall be called the children of God. And what I always say is, um, you know, police officers who are the ones that usually carry around guns and are called to be people, first responders and all that other stuff, the best they can be is peacekeepers, mm. right? There's a law out there that they got to uphold. And they got to try to keep peace, like try to keep people. But the scripture says we are called to be peace makers, which means that like we have to come in with a different way than the way yeah. society says peace is supposed to happen. And then it's not this idea of like, oh, and then now God will call us children, his children. That's not what it's saying. It's literally talking about what people will see us as when right. we are peacemakers, then people will say, oh. Now that's children of God, right? Like they'll notice something different about us. And so I think my my biggest concern, right? Like I'm not even anti-gun. People want to go hunting and all the other stuff. But I do believe that we need to have a different response. That's what Jesus embodied, right? He did not do things the way that society did them. He told us crazy stuff. You know, somebody wants your coat, give them both, right? You they, they right. turn other t- like all this stuff is revolutionary and doesn't make good sense. It doesn't make good sense. But I've learned in my short time on this earth that if I try to do things that make good sense to me, it'll probably be the opposite of what Jesus is asking me to do. True that. So true that. I just be trying to figure out, like, you know, what the response should be. I do not own a gun. I do not have a FOIA card. Tedan almost convinced me uh, multiple times to get in his class and all that. My wife is a gun lover. Her father was a police officer. She's always had guns. And we just differ on it. So um, I think, T, I'd just like to ask you. Uh, a quick question, bro. Like we've had this conversation a lot. So I just like people to hear it. This conversation about like gun laws and gun reform and like what, 
why you you kind of push back on some of the gun reform or gun laws that you hear as a black man. I love yeah. the way you explained it. So can you just talk about it? Yeah. So when you think back to the Black Panther movement, the, the civil rights movement, the Black Panther movement, um, the, the Nation of Islam and all the stuff that was going on, that is when the gun, a lot of these gun laws got created then because of what black people were doing. Black people were arming themselves to protect their communities against white supremacists or extremists that wanted to come in and, and, and tear down the things we were trying to build up in our community. And so if you, if you go back and you look at, look at history and you look at those laws that were being created, a lot of those laws were racist laws that were created to stop black people from protecting themselves. You know, and then, then the other thing I look at is I look at history. I look at situations such as um, uh, Black Wall Street and, and other situations where black people were building wealth and you had an angry white person who kicked something off and we couldn't protect ourselves. And we lost everything, you know, and, and so that that's another thing I never want to see happen in my lifetime. I never want to start building something and I never want to tear it down. Now, I will say this to you. I am a very peaceful person. I am a peacemaker. I do everything in my power to keep peace and to make peace with people. So that is my, was my big struggle when when I got to talking about am I going to start carrying and, and and stuff like that. So. I am. A, I consider myself a peacemaker. The reality is, I think, I mean, I appreciate what you said, Jay. That was powerful. That's powerful. And, and peacemakers, I mean, I, I mean, the reality is, as a peacemaker, you start from scratch, making bridge, making making a cake. You are the creator of the atmosphere of what takes place. That's right. I remember talking, I was at a club one time, right? And a fight broke out. Well, it was a, it was a fight broke out in the, in, in the, in the, uh, in the line, you know, Muggs is drunk and high or whatever. And uh, these Fruits of Islam cats was out there doing security. And they stopped the fight so quick. It was like one blow got in. They stopped it, jumped in, calmed people down. And I said, man, I was just, man, y'all crazy, man. How y'all do that, man? I was just talking smack. He said, like, when you treat people like this, they function. But because they were also five percenters, they were like, but when you treat people like the gods they are, they begin to function that way. And that always stuck with me. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't no God. I'm about to have some cabassier. I don't know what's about that. But <laughs> I went on into the club. But it was, it was, it was, um, it stuck with me with when you treat people with that level of peace, that level of engagement, that level of reality, right? It creates now um, an indirect expectation of, of fulfilling that indirectly, whether they know that they're doing it or not. That's why scripture says, I think, when your enemy asks you for some, some to drink, give them, give them, give them some water, right? When they ask you to give them some water with some ice, and now they, they've never, they, they're typically ready for you to pour the water on. They, they know what that battle's like, but they don't know the kindness that you're bringing to them, right? And and to disarm them. And I'm not saying everybody's on that. We work with young men, Terrence and I, and, and, and even Pastor Jay, young men who most likely to shoot somebody or to get shot, right? And and uh, they say, look, y'all working with us for us to put the guns down, but these other enemies of ours. Y'all ain't working with them. So we walk out of here, we peaceful, blah, blah, blah. We're trying to live that way. Doesn't mean that they still not going to be on. I said, you're right. So we got to try to grab some of them. So I get the logic of, I am a peacemaker. I'm trying to create this peace. Mm -hmm. I get the logic of that other people ain't about that. But it doesn't mean, doesn't mean we're not still supposed to be and or are obligated 
to do that. And my position on that, just like what you're saying, Jay, is, is that God goes before us. So if I'm functioning as, the, like they say, the hands and the arms and the feet and the legs of God, then I'm doing what I believe I can do in that moment to create that. But God's got to do the rest of that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we go to hot spots and folks are like, why are y'all in this spot? Because we're making peace. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it creates a way in which folks are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, we like it like this. Man, can we do this some more? Now, the spot that typically would be nobody coming outside, they want that back. They want they, the kids riding up and down the street with, with bikes. And so uh, when you get treat people like the children of God that they are, right, then they can re- respond in a way, I think, to create, to, to make that peace. Now, we got, we got mental illness issues. Yes. We got, we got uh, uh, anger issues. We yes. got, um, we did it. We, there was a, a church retreat at, at uh, uh, one of the pastor's house <laughs> in London. We come out of the house. And a young man now who has a great ministry, a boxing ministry, was pulverizing a guy mm. in, uh, right in the yard of that pastor. We all come out the retreat. Boom. <laughs> He's just <going> crazy. <laughs> he didn't shoot him, didn't kill him. But it's one of the kind of things where these kinds of things trigger and can trigger a, an unsafe atmosphere, which can cause people to say, I need to be I need to be more secure. So there's is there's, there's there's a. There's reality in, in, in both. And I, and I get the expectations, yeah, yeah. In, you know, that's why, you know, like I, I try to be clear, like there's a heart problem. Like we got to continue to like work with people. Right. mental health is real. Like uh-huh. family issues are real. The environment you grow up in, what you know as the way to handle conflict resolution, all those things are real. And so peacemaking is like being involved in that work. So that we can change the narrative of how people think and live and behave. But then there's also like getting the actual tool of death out of their hands while we working on their behavior. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, you know, as when a kid is a baby, you tell them don't touch the stove, but you also don't fill the house full of a bunch of hot stoves. Right. Like imagine if you like had a baby, you like don't touch the hot stove, but you like put 10 hot stoves in your house. That would make no sense. Right. Like so my thing about like gun reform is I know that we'll never get all guns off the street. Even if we do more gun laws, you can always get a dirty gun anywhere. Like I'm not crazy. But my thing is, let's at least say. We want to try to get as many of harmful weapons like AR-15s and things that can right. kill people and right. like with bullets that spray. I don't know how many, I don't know guns like that, but how many bullets come out of an AR-15 in a, in a minute, T, right? Like, so answer that question too, because that AR-15 is a hot one. But <laughs> you're done though, and I'm going to talk about AR-15s quickly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying these assault rifles, these things that are meant to like kill as many things as possible in like a short amount of time why are those things easily accessible why are they like being produced the way they are like that's the questions i have and i don't have the answers but they just it just boggles me so right and then i mean we and then you add the factor in like in chicago some military people were busted because they were selling guns to folks in the hood mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like and, and and more than likely they were doing it for years mm-hmm. it, it's not like this one time and they just got Got greedy and, and, and the whole uh, thing of that. So you you find then I gotta I gotta I gotta the, the logic maybe I gotta carry something because these mugs got AR-15. I mean even to, even the police officers talk about there's more weapons stronger than what we got a, as cops, you know, out here on the street. And so it's almost like like when did the line of demarcation come? Because 
you can keep going just, just like sex education has been right. It used to be back in the day, women wore long dresses uh, <laughs> and all these guys, they don't, don't show any part of your body or your physique or whatever it might've been. And then that line began to move with the women's right movement and, and, and womenism and feminism. Uh, it, it, it really, Hey, we're women. We're, you know, uh, and, and all of a sudden it became dresses and outfits became different. And I'm not trying to put women only in that uh, sexual kind of context, but the line of demarcation, you know, change and, 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 and it, you know, each generation, it may, it may push itself in that kind of, and some lines do need to change. But what I'm saying is like, when it comes to, do I get two AR-15s? Do I get a gun, uh, a, a, a Glock with a little illegal trigger piece in case I can't get my AR? I got the, I got the one I can conceal to carry and I got that with me. You know, when is the line, the line will continue to go. And, and, and when is, when is there, because the assumption is if all of us in this restaurant are considered to carry, Everybody knows that, then they're gonna be less likely to come in and just jack somebody or steal something. Now, in a conversation with with with, with Tia one time, I think we talked about that. Okay, so I could get that. Like, like we all got a gun. Anybody gonna come in here? But I don't know how far that line that really. Somebody may say my gun's quicker than all y'all. Shoot all y'all before <laughs> I get to get to the register. Uh, whatever the case may be, how long? How far does that does that really go? And 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 again, my thing is like you said, Jay, is it's the human heart. It's the human heart. It's not at a at a space that's 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 healthy before the Lord. Even consider carry Christians. We saw on on the news where Black Lives Matters were walking, and a, a white guy came out with his AR-15. It was like, "Don't walk on my lawn!" And like, I'm gonna threaten y'all for do, do, doing this this act of civil disobedience, just marching. I'm you're not marching in my house. You're not going to my backyard. You're not swimming in my pool. Nothing to threaten you as a person. But it became a tool because I got that's what the line line of demarcation. So now, does that person step? What about the woman in Florida, who uh, they got the they got the the gun laws? They got the gun laws where what is that gun law in Florida where you can you know you can bring your gun out if you oh, feel something stand your ground stand your ground. Her husband she shot in the air. This woman was facing twenty years in jail for shooting a gun that she legally had and considered carry with the gun in the air. There's a lot of I don't, she didn't have to face that much. She got out not too long ago, but. Who I mean, was her husband threatening her? Was there some situation there? Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's so many other things. So this, the, it's like this: the stricter things are, it's more, more people want to do it. To me, it's, you know, it's kind of like this story where this guy was, he owned a hotel, and and on the balcony is right by the ocean, and it said no fishing. All his windows on the balcony windows were broken because people were fishing. And they ringing the pole back and busting the window. Right? <laughs> Got a new manager came in and said. Hey, one of the things we want to hire you for is to fix this situation. We're spending too much money on these doors, these sliding doors. So what should we do? He said, "Don't put the signs up. Don't don't put don't fish on the side. Nobody will stop. Nobody nobody started fishing on the side. They they just they wouldn't even think of fishing on the side. So it's, it's that kind of caveat because there's a law and this other thing happens and causes it to be uh, even tighter. Guess what? We're going to find another way around. It just seems as though that there's um um that's not working. It just seems that that's not working. But would, I mean, you look at Canada. You look at Canada, we talk about they got more guns, and whether it's Quebec or the province of, of Toronto, but they have less murders. You know, they have less murders. Now, if folks coming from Detroit, going over to Canada, increasing that, that's a whole conversation, Detroit. Um, but in a, sense <laughs> that, in a sense that compared to America, uh, well, we got, you know, probably maybe... Uh, um, more murders than, than Canada with, with, with less guns. It's a, it's a heart issue. So 
Yo, we're going to be right back. This is Church on the Block. Stay right there. Band questions. What's up with all these guns? What's up with Christians giving these guns? Should have passed to have a gun from the pulpit. We're going to come back with T, talking about AR-15s, and uh, let's get it in. Yo, you're listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. Do not, you hear me? Do not touch that dial. Do not touch that knob. Don't unplug the Bluetooth. Stay right here with us. Yo, welcome back to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the street. I am with my very close friends, host, Pastor Jay host ruckus uh and we're talking about band questions we're talking about you know issues of 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 stuff that people don't want to talk about or people have split around but we believe as followers of christ we can talk about it today we're talking about what's up with all these guns christians with all these guns terrence does a training on helping people to conceal to carry and understand the realities of guns and gun control um so terrence talk about your 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 opinion on gun control and and talk a a little bit about your class and what's significant different about your class yeah so you know a lot of 2a people are against gun control i'm not i'm not against gun control and this that'd probably get me get me hated on by some people i am for more background checks i am for um there are people who mentally should not have a gun i don't know how we do these things so it doesn't infringe upon certain people's rights but i am for making it a little bit harder now it is still my belief that it is my right to bear arms. Um, but some people don't deserve that right. You know, when we we look at the tragedies such as the, the that just happened here in Highland Park, the shooter there, uh, Illinois is also a red flag state. So if I see or hear or 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 think that you're gonna do something, my it is my duty to report you. Um and it will create a red flag in the system with law enforcement and law enforcement should do then start to do some investigations and probably uh, suspend your license and stuff like that. I'm all for that type of stuff. Now you asked about the type of classes I teach. So I do teach a, a concealed carry. I'm cert, I'm a certified instructor through uh, USCCA. And so I teach a concealed carry cl- course, which is by law required in Illinois that you take a 16 hour course. So my students, if I'm doing concealed carry, I spend two days with them, teaching them about gun safety, how to use a gun, how to be the innocent person in a situation, talking about de-escalations, talking to them about paying attention to their surroundings. Um, It's several topics that I I go through with my class within two days. when, when when people go to those classes, T, are they they they're coming with, you know, gun experience, uh, like or they have none or both. Some it's it's both. Some are coming with completely no gun experience. Some people are just afraid at what's going on right now, uh-huh. in, in Chicago and places like Chicago, and some are experienced and and just want to be able to do do things legally now that they can. Okay. So it's it's a variety. I am seeing. I'm also seeing an increase. There's an increase in African American women who take my classes and that are purchasing guns and doing all of this training. Brothers, what y'all doing to the women, man? What y'all doing to the women, brothers? Causing them to get their gun. <laughs> don't don't go to sleep on them. Don't go to sleep. 
man. <laughs> That's yes. interesting, T. Do they yes, do they even say do some, what are the, some of the women say why they are they're pursuing guns? Is it just a natural reason they want it, or is it because of Yeah, they want to feel safer. You know, okay. so I I've partnered with this this young lady named Shannon, and she has a whole network of of teachers and, and women. And she just posted a post one day, say, I'm thinking about taking the concealed carry course because things are getting a little crazy. She's, I believe she's a single parent and she wants to be able to protect her kids. And so off that post, I think she got about a hundred response from women that said, I'm, I want to do it too. Wow. And so we started partnering. So here, I'm going to tell you a crazy story. So I've, I've done two sessions with her. The second session, she came back as the host. Uh, with my class to introduce herself to the ladies that it was a private private session with just ladies she's invited and she came back and she says hey just want to drop in want to say what's up to you all i'm gonna meet you all at the range tomorrow so we can all go to the range and train together well then that night she sent me a text and, and said i'm not gonna make it to the range you won't believe what happened i got front-ended by a car coming on and as at, this was after she left my class some guys r- driving down the street, smack dead into the front of her car, airbags deployed, smack in her face. She looks up. She sees four guys getting out the car with guns. And she was completely afraid. And so you think of the irony of that. Like, wow, you just left uh, a class and this just happens to you. You know, I'm glad that they, they were just trying to escape whatever they were doing. They jumped into another car and kept going. But it scared her. It terrified her. Man, see, see right there. Those are the things because the where where we live and what we do. Yeah, I came out my house, walked my dog next door neighbor, come shooting across the sidewalk at a car that drove up, pow, 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 pow. And then the police came like thirty seconds later. But those kind of things like that make me. And I asked you, could I could, could I, if I went consider carry? Could I could I have shot the brother? Like, <laughs> stop shooting people. Um, <laughs> You know, so one of the most important things I, t- I teach people in my class is always be the innocent party. Yeah. You know, never get yourself involved in a situation. If you can de-escalate a situation, do it. Walk away. Yeah. 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 Before you got to pull that weapon. That that should be your last resort. I mean, it's, and things are so crazy now. And, and I get it, uh, uh, especially around women, especially around anybody who chooses this this way. And I like that part, be the innocent party. A woman, there's real estate with my wife and she was getting a house remod- re- redone, built from the ground, wherever it was. She beat the contractors there. They came, um, um, they, they, they go in and she's in her car waiting, to phone call, whatever, about to go back in. And she sees a young boy walking on the driver's side on the sidewalk. And she's in a suburb kind of area. And so she gets her gun out because she see the way he was walking. And he came up to her car like, and she had a gun right there when he came up and he took off the run the other way. Like she's trying to honk her horn while he's walking to kind of distract and kind of be that innocent party. Like you're saying, like maybe there's enough noise. People come out and see the contractors didn't hear her, nothing. But he came with his gun and she and he pointed and he was surprised to see even somebody else had one. And he took off running, you know, so there, there, are, there are extenuating circumstances in certain Absolutely. communities, I think Absolutely. that have, that have created this. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not faulting or judging yeah. anyone who, who has a gun and in different situations, I do believe you got to do it legally. You need to do it with some training. I think you need to know your own. This is on a, I don't even know if you can know your own mental state, but you need to, you need to, you need to get 
an evaluation on yourself. <laughs> That's all real. You should. You should do those things. I've had people tell me I got anger issues and I, I don't trust myself. Thank you for being honest. One yeah, of the first took- people in my class, when they sit down, when we do our introductions, tell me your why. And what right. I'm listening for, I'm listening for somebody to say something crazy like, man, I, 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 I got this issue and people be talking crazy and I'm going to pull out my gun. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hey, check it out. Uh, this ain't the class for you. So uh, <laughs> right. I'm a, you know, you have a good day. I'm not the instructor for you. So you, you mean if I, if I say, hey, I got these young guys down the block, man, I need to make sure they, they, they you know, handle their business right. So make sure uh got my gun with me. It all depends on how you say it. <laughs> I, I want to say this, man. Like my block. If you say to me, I got a group of guys on my block that are a little runchy, a little wild, and I just want to be able to protect myself and my family just in case sometimes they do some crazy things, then that's cool. But if you say to me, man, these dudes, they down on the end of the corner, I'm tired of them, man, I think it's time for something need to be done. Then I'm going to be like, oh, that's a red flag. You ain't finna do it under, under my class and under my training. So this ain't the class for you. <laughs> yeah. Let me find out the next instructor you're going to go to because I'm going to tell them don't, don't work with you either. So... <laughs> <laughs> Now, I want to ask you guys something as pastors, right? All right. Because we, we talk about um, being peacemakers. Man, ain't you a seminary too? You're a seminary too now, right? right? Okay, I'm just I'm not, sure. I'm not a pastor, though. Y'all the pastors. So I got to talk. Y'all my pastors. So I got to <laughs> ask y'all a question, right? How come Jesus never made his disciples get rid of their swords? Y'all hit a cricket. No, no they, they were fishermen. Cool. They were fi- they were they were fishermen. They had swords, though. They had weapons. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. I've heard that question a million times. And what my response is is that Jesus was not anti-weapon. He was trying to make sure they understood that if you live by that, you will mm-hmm. die by that. And so, okay. what Jesus was trying to help them to understand. Because he did limit them. If you remember when he sends them out two by two, he says, don't take swords. Don't take nothing. Right. The people of God That's will take point. care of you when you go. Right. He's trying to get them to live counterculturally. Right. I'm trying to, t- to tell Christians you can't have guns. I'm trying to tell you that we're supposed to live counterculturally. We're supposed yeah. to look different from society. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples. And so right. I don't think he ever told them. Plus, the only ones that would carry it was the zealous like Peter. Everybody else right. wasn't going to have it. Like right. <laughs> it was only them folks who was going to cut off ears. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, right. Um, right. Yeah, so I, I get that question all the time. It's because I think Jesus really wanted to see their hearts change. He wanted to see them uh, live out uh, something different. Mm-hmm. Jesus never, you never really see in scripture anywhere where he bans you from doing something no, as much he as he tries to introduce to you a new way of right. loving your neighbor, of being Christ-like in the world. And I and I still agree with that. That's why it struggles, it, it bothers me that Christians have just decided to do what everybody else is doing. Versus right. coming up with some other way to be peacemakers in the world. They right. got guns, I'm getting guns. They doing right. this, I'm doing this. You know, they voting this way, I'm doing this. You know, I just right. We don't have any creativity, like, <laughs> and it just right. bothers me. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I, I go back to what Jay was saying in light of the fact that Christ said, "Hey, when you go out two by two, mm-hmm. don't bring your strap, dust your feet off. They don't mm-hmm. want you." That that difference right there is like it's like. Just ignore the, the 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 rebuke of the other people and let that be um, against them in the midst of that, right? And so and, and so saying that to me is God fighting on your behalf, right? So you're not necessarily having to 
also bring your sword to fight, you know, fight for God. Like even when Christians try to debate or, you know, uh, uh, argue about uh, where's the Sabbath at or, or speaking in tongues, it's mm-hmm. almost like I got to be right uh, kind of thing. And it, it, it can get visceral. It can get, you know, where we split up o- o- over different things. We don't become friends anymore because of that. Uh, using that as an example, uh, just let it be. Like, hey, you know, you got, you, you got your opinion. I'm going to dust my feet off and I'm, I'm going to walk away. And in and, and so doing, because um, maybe that particular person isn't the one to bring the light of Christ to you at that moment. But maybe, yeah. but maybe, maybe somebody else is when you just kind of removed a particular obstacle. But I think that uh, um, as they did have swords in that context, like you say, Jay, the reality of having a weapon in the appropriate in the appropriate mind. But if you don't, you use it the wrong way, as Peter did in the context of that, right? Uh, then there are uh, examples of what I really wanted to have happen, and and I'm healing this man's ear uh, for the sake of that piece, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, ahead, I, and he didn't say like, I want you to get him a mach- like. It, no, matter of fact. Because it's so crazy out here, don't just carry a sword. Go get a machete. Go find one of the Roman swords. Like, have the most state-of-the-art, best sword you could possibly have because it's crazy in these streets. Jesus didn't say that. Like, he talked about whatever you already carry. You're a fisherman. You already got swords and knives for cutting up the fish. Like, all right. But when you go do this for me, don't take that with you, right? Like, and I think that also indicts a little bit of what we talk about being, um, people with rights. Like I struggle with that. Oh, I got the right to bear arms, man. When they wrote that second amendment guns was like, put one piece of thing in there, put some powder <laughs> in it. Or then like have to go back and put some powder. In. Now, man, we out here. Like it's a different attitude. Like I just think that we have to allow our laws to, to actually grow with our technology. Like we're seeing people get killed by the dozens in our country and we still fighting over rights and amendments that was written in the 1700s. I'm like, y'all, let's think about this. Like we don't do that in any other area of our lives. And then for me with Christians, and then I'm gonna let T or whoever respond. I really don't believe that we should ever be arguing about rights. As Christians, we are not owners with rights. We are stewards with responsibilities. The Lord owns everything and the God has the rights. We have responsibilities to steward what God has given us. He told us to be peacemakers. He told us to be countercultural. He told us to love even our very enemies. And so we have a right to, that's our responsibility is to steward that, not to be claiming how many rights we have and holding on to those sites. So that's just right. my I mean, box. So just like Alfred Noble, who invented dynamite, right? And di- dynamite uh, uh, was used in, in, in his time to bust through mountains and get whatever minerals minerals or whatever they're going to try to get out of it. And he began to see how man, you know, took it in a way that caused more violence, more corruption. And that's how the Nobel Peace Prize started, because dynamite became, uh, to him, more visceral than he intended for it to be. And now I've got to do something about that and create this Nobel Peace Prize for those who are pursuing peace time to drop bars yo there was a man who was a great chess player and a phenomenal chess player he was killing chess all over the world and he competed in uh, in london and he was competing in london uh for this championship chess match and he was at the last round that particular round they were able to take a four or five hour break before they played the last round so he goes to this museum in london he had never been before traveling throughout this museum he's seeing different artwork and different paintings yo the man comes across a chess match and on one end of the chess match was a scared human being, sweating, eyes red, nervous. The, the artist had painted this so fearfully. Uh, and he was just reaching over to pull his hand into a piece. And he was just shook. On the other end was the devil. 
And the devil was leaning back in a chair with a cigar, looking like he was laughing with his hands open. And the name of the piece was called Checkmate. This man, this chess champion, looked at this painting for hours, right before he had to go back. Three hours, he's sitting there looking at it. And finally, it hit him in the head. He, he, he came to the picture. People thought he was bugging. He said, yo, if I could get in this picture, I could tell you, you have one more move left. It's not checkmate. You got one more move left. And I'm saying that to us today. We got one more move left, baby. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Though Satan, though guns, though situations, though violence may be crazy around us, we always got one more move left. Yo, I'm Pastor Phil. Thank you for listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church in the street with my main men, Pastor Jay, DJ Ruckus. We out. See y'all next week. Thank you for listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. Back here next week, same time, same channel, Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, channel 154. Come with us. Tell them it's crazy in these streets. Tell them it's crazy in these streets.